You're listening to Becoming CEO, where we share our journeys as solo founders to becoming the CEO of seven-figure businesses. And these are our behind-the-scenes conversations as we figure it out. And these are things that most people just aren't sharing. Interesting conversation this morning with some clients on a mastermind call. Uh, wanted to get your take on it, Mr. Hickman. Let's do it. So clients kind of in the early stages of building out a service business, got, you know, a decent client base, but still working out some of the kinks uh, on the delivery side. And mm-hmm. so the question was, you know, I have clients who, you know, some are a little bit dissatisfied and there's some complaints and it's nothing like terrible. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a few here and there, but it's the first time this has been coming up. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to like, deal with the complaints and deal with some of the grievances and solve the problems and at the same time kind of maintain, you know, my confidence as the service provider and and not let, you know, one client's complaint mm. affect, you know, my relationship with another client or my marketing or my ability right. to close deals on sales calls. And so the question was like, how do I, you know, maintain a high level of confidence while I'm solving some of these client problems and they're affecting me? That's a good one. Can't wait to hear what you said. <laughs> I said, I said, hold on. I said, hold on. I got a podcast coming up with Greg. Let me talk to Greg about it. And then I'll send you the link to the episode. <laughs> Touche. Um, I, I do have an answer, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah. I mean, the, so just to like kind of quick recap, it's, they haven't been performing as best as they'd like. Maybe clients aren't getting the results that they were hoping. That's diminishing their confidence. Um, how do I show up continually as a leader to the rest of the clients and or even possibly in sales calls with conviction that I can help these people? Is that like kind of the situation? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So um been there, first of all. I think first I think my first feedback is that's totally normal. Um And I think the first thing I would say is like, well, one, make sure you're not, uh, you know, trying to take someone to a, a place that you haven't been like, basically like if you haven't done it, I wouldn't be training or coaching on something that you haven't done or experienced. Like in some cases, it's actually, I think better for you to tell a client, I actually don't have an answer for that. Um, I can try to find someone to connect you with, but like that's actually not in my domain of expertise. So like for, I don't and know. For context, this is a done for you service business, just for context. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so the from yeah, so understanding that, then I missed that part. Sorry. Uh, when I felt like this, what I did was understand that my one client's results were you know, does not make up my identity. Uh, and so to kind of like make sure I had the confidence, what I actually did do was um, I put together a bunch of screenshots and notes from clients that have kind of raved about us, thanking us, testimonial type stuff that like I would look at every single morning um, to remind myself of all of the other sorts of wins that we've been able to get people. Um and kind of focus on that. That helped with my confidence going into sales conversations. Um, if I was in a sales conversation that brought me to a topic 
around this one client that I'm struggling with, I probably would just be honest about like, Hey, like typically we are able to achieve this. We have had situations where this, this, and this happens, but that's usually because X, Y, Z. Um, so I'm not making any promises, but I think we can work through that. Here's how I would do that. And so I would at least like share my approach on if that situation were to occur, assuming that situation came up in a sales conversation. And then from the existing client, I would actually just have a real candid conversation of like, Hey, I know that you're not stoked. Like neither am I like, we're going to make sure that we keep working on this until we get it, get it right. Um, so that they feel like that I'm, you know, I'm involved and have skin in the game versus just like, Oh, it's, it's, it was on you. It wasn't us. Um, that's what's coming to mind. Devin's like when I first uh, took my kids mountain biking to mountain biking lessons, we went up to this place. This is totally irrelevant, by the way, but yeah. you said the word stoked and it reminded me. Mm. Um, we went up to this place uh, it's about an hour and a half north of Toronto. A fantastic mountain bike park as far as mm -hmm. Ontario, you know, standards go, not your standards. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy that runs the classes, he's like, you know, a lifetime mountain biker right and yeah. uh my kids pull up uh, with me and then the guy goes all right you guys stoked to shred <laughs> both my kids are like they look at me and they're like what did he just say and he goes oh i'm sorry are you guys excited to mountain bike today <laughs> <laughs> stoked to shred anyhow yeah you said stoked and i thought about that story yes um yeah so i i think there's a few points that we talked about number one is to your point, this is very normal. Yeah. Very. Like anybody that's built the business has been here, particularly when you as the, 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 the sole founder are in the weeds of delivery and fulfillment. And certainly as you grow and you get out of the weeds of delivery and fulfillment, this becomes less of an issue. But when you're doing everything, then mm -hmm. it's really hard to not let one experience affect other experiences. That's yeah. a very common problem. It's a very common challenge. And I think that at some level that normalizes it. Like it's yeah. okay. This is, yeah. this is normal. This is part of the game. Um, that's, that's one, you know, the second, and I have the same advice as yours, your early days. I had a, I had like a swipe file of client results and case studies. And I literally just had like a, a word doc where there was name and like result or direct quote, mm -hmm. but like something that would get me pumped up about the work that we do for clients, something that would yeah. remind me that, Oh, this thing actually has value, which is like now in retrospect, I'm laughing because it's hilarious. Like we've done a ton yeah. of work over the years, but, but in the beginning, like everybody, even the strongest person with the most, most bulletproof confidence in the world is going to have some level of doubt. Like, does this thing have value? Will it actually mm -hmm. deliver results? And will it, you know, be able to do that at scale and all those things, right? And so I had a document that I would just every day, every morning, and certainly when I was in a funk, I'd look at that and go like, oh yeah, so and so did this and so and so did that. And so, oh, okay, this thing's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Um, third is, you know, delivery issues are 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 normal mm -hmm. and and you're not gonna find them until you make mistakes. Right. You know, so like, so not only is it normal, but you're not going to be able to improve or refine your delivery process until somebody complains about something. And then you realize, oh, this actually could have been better because, you know, you're not the client. And if you haven't been through it yourself personally, you're not going to see the flaws in the process in the way that a client would right. see it. So those are like gifts on a silver platter, I think. Um, and my I, last I actually, point. Uh, I think one more to that. Actually, say your last point, because maybe this all tied 
right into it. Go ahead. Yeah. My last point, uh, which I forget now. So now you say yours <laughs> back to me. Um, well, to that point, like the, you know, you might identify gaps in, in your process to improve for the next client. Right. Um, I also think another version of that, that I have come to realize, which I think will happen at all levels as you get better at what you do is pay attention to make sure that that client doesn't have any sort of unique characteristics that makes them actually different from the ones that you are getting results for. Like maybe their business is different. Maybe the team size that they have is different. Like, is there something related to the characteristics and traits of them as the, you know, ideal client profile that make them actually less ideal than the other ones that have been getting results? Because sometimes I find it's actually uh, less about what we did. And it's often like, you just chose the wrong client. They looked really similar, but maybe you're in that evolution where the, the, the subtle nuances of who makes a good fit and who doesn't might start to present themselves. And so, so I, I think a combination of, Hey, improve your service, but also is this person actually the right fit comparatively speaking to all the other people? If not, maybe we just need to get clear on that. You stole my last point. That was there the last go. point. <laughs> that was hundred percent it. So my, my message to, you know, our clients in this conversation was never judge your offer based on the experience of the wrong client. Yeah. Been there. Yeah, totally. Been there. Right. And the thing totally. is like, you know, you, you know, I'm a marketer, right? Like we teach people build your ideal client profile, know exactly what you're looking for, go out and find that person, blah, 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 blah. But you don't really know until you sign the wrong client. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't really which know. Mean, which means you're going to sign the wrong client. And that's the only it. way you're going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, till today, you know, we've, we've, yeah. we've done eight, 900 clients and we still make mistakes. We still enroll the wrong people sometimes. It happens. It's probably yeah. going to happen at a higher volume in the beginning. And you should mitigate that for sure. Don't do it on purpose, right? But it's going to happen. You can't completely tell how the experience is going to go or who, who the person is or how they're going to handle themselves from a sales call or two. You're going to enroll the wrong people. This is going to give you data points to help you pinpoint who are the right people and qualify them better on the front end. Yeah. One note on that, that you kind of brushed on that I want to make sure is clear too. Like I would even ask this person, um, like, Hey, like now hearing this, can we quickly flash back to the sales process? Like, were you like, at all questioning if they were the right fit? Were you in a situation where like you needed the money? Like what was the circumstance of that sales conversation? Like, because sometimes when you're in that place of like kind of needing the next client, you choose not to see some of these characteristics that clearly are in your face. When you go back and watch the sales call, you're like, I don't know how I even made the offer to this person. But in hindsight, it was like, oh, because you felt like you needed the money, you just paid your tax bill or whatever, and you were in a cash crunch and that cash inject, like that's all you saw was the client making that first payment. And so like, I think there's that like, hey, now that you understand this, let's flash back to where were you at in this 
in the process of selling this person? Um, like, did it come from a place of, of need versus that it was actually the best fit? Because I think, I think I said this on the last episode, um, when I talked about kind of like feeling the pressure of maintaining this machine that we had built, you know, it's working. It's not working exactly like I want, like it was profitable, not profitable like I wanted, but like when, you know, oh my God, cost per lead goes up. Oh my gosh, we need, you know, two more clients to come across the line in order to offset ad spend. Like those sorts of situations are often the situations that have you bend the rules or, you know, you know, miss some of the signs that, you know, would have told you that this is the wrong person to enroll, uh, which again, it will happen and you won't, and it'll probably, it unfortunately will happen at, again at different levels as you grow too, for different reasons. Um, and it's something that you'll, I think you'll continually learn uh, over time, but like the only way to come to this understanding is to have it have have, have it happen <laughs> which you know sucks because then you have to have the uncomfortable conversation with the client blah, blah, blah. but i would i would also consider the state that they were in yeah i think there's a little bit more nuance to you know are they the right client or the wrong client it's kind of dawning upon me right now to be honest i think mm -hmm. there's yeah there are some clients that are really really great fit and there are some clients that are clearly a bad fit and i think there's shades of gray in between and For I think sure. some of those shades of gray can be mitigated by creating the right expectations in the sales conversation. So I think you can take mm -hmm. somebody here. Here's my contention. You can take somebody who's kind of like in the gray zone mm -hmm. and make them the right client by communicating about expectations clearly up front. Here's how this is going to go. Here's our process. Here's what we need from you. Here's how you got to show up. Here's our mm -hmm. expectation of you. Here's your expectation of us are there any issues here? Like I, yeah. you, you said on a previous episode, like you have a, in the contract, like this is what we need from you. Some, something really yeah. clear, right? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, you know, maybe somebody could have been a perfect client, but because the expectations were not laid out properly in the sales conversation, they came in with, you know, misaligned expectations on how things are going to work and they end up being the wrong client, but it could have mm -hmm. worked out better had things been more clear on the front end. Yeah. Um, two things to add on that one um our good friend ben mcclellan uh wrote a really great book uh that was somewhere around here called the client success manifesto it's right over there um he just spoke at our event and one of the things that was really interesting that he talks about in his book is you know in the sales conversation um you can kind of understand the client archetype and they describe like these four different archetypes and he's like, their archetype can change throughout the process of working with them. And if you don't recognize that their archetype changed, how you communicate with them and support them likely could lead to misunderstandings, false expectations. And once I understood that concept, and I went and even like from some of the, the digging that we have been doing recently, I'll look at because like I, like I said, I've hopped back into some sales. I'll look at the sales handoff document that I gave to like the client success team because like I don't handle the onboarding call. And then I'll get feedback from the client, from the, the CS team on like, so, 
hey, the prospect said this was their biggest problem. These are the things that we talked about solving in this order from a priority perspective. They get on the phone with them and and it could be like two days later. That's completely different based on their their kickoff call. Like the priority has changed, what their expectation of how fast they want to solve it has changed. And like, if you don't constantly check in on those things, I do think some of those those uh like back to like here are the parameters but like even just the expectation um changing and will change as they go through your process if you're unaware of that you could be fighting the wrong battle in that conversation so i think that that was really interesting so check out ben's book the last piece that i I bring this up a, a bunch to clients um dean jackson the guy who created created the the squeeze page the landing page um he has this thing called five star prospects and he's like, if they are not a five-star prospect, you do not, like, you're not going to, you shouldn't work with them. And so there's five questions that you have to ask where all need to be yes in order for them to be a five-star prospect. If they're a four-star prospect, no go. And so it's, are they willing to engage in a dialogue? Yes. Are they friendly and collaborative? Yes. I'd see oftentimes it ends right there. Do they know what they want? That's critical. Do they know when they want it? Also critical. And then do they want you to actually help them? If they're not all five of those things, it's really difficult um, to actually say that they're the right fit. So I think your advice to him, seeing as how the advice was very similar, was very good. And I'm actually glad that some of my advice was in alignment with your advice. We're on the same page. Amen. All right, guys, hope this helped you. Um, If you find yourself in this situation, just know that it's super common. Uh, Hopefully you can put some of these uh, kind of three action items and discussion points that we just shared today into practice uh, just to move past it and, and keep on serving your clients at the highest level. See you in the next one.